Amen. Let me just say this. These are exciting times. These are exciting times to be a follower of Jesus Christ because all around us we see the, the signs of the times. And my heartbeat for you is that you would be a follower of Jesus Christ that understands the times. Not to allow us to relinquish and to be afraid and, oh, all these things that are happening around us, but allow us to realize that this is our opportunity that this is the time that we can proclaim the gospel message that God has given us everything we need to be equipped to share that gospel message. And I know that when you look around the world today, we see a lot of destruction and, and things that are going on all around us. But these are things that Jesus warned us about. These are things that Jesus told us that would happen. And so as for believers, none of these things should 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 scare us. None of these things should take us off guard. So the bigger question that we need to ask ourselves is how do we discern the times correctly? Jesus spoke of the world we live in and how we can overcome it. That's the good news, but we need to be prepared. We need to know what's going on around us. So we're going to break this series up into, into two sections, as I said, and I want to jump right into Ephesians chapter six. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can turn there. You can look up at the screen, up at, up at the screens. But I want to look at this as just our springboard for this whole series of messages because Paul, what he's doing is he's speaking to the church in Ephesus and he's preparing these believers, saying you are in a war. It's not something that you see, but you are literally in a spiritual war. And what I want to do is I want to break down this spiritual war and really what is it and how do we prepare ourselves to fight against this spiritual war. And really, what I want to encourage you in, th th this opportunity is not to be afraid, not to relinquish, not to retreat, but it's another avenue that we can grow in discipleship, to become stronger in the Lord. How many know that through adversity, you grow stronger in the Lord? That without adversity, you're not going to grow. How many of you just pray for adversity in your life? You don't, do you? But you, because we pray, Lord, make everything good, make everything smooth, make everything wonderful, make everything just hunky dory. But how many know that it's through adversity that we can even find God's joy, that it's through adversity that God's glory can be shown through our lives? It's through adversity that our faith is strengthened. It's through adversity that God teaches you truly how to pray and get on your face before the Lord. Can I get an amen? right? So sometimes adversity is okay. And spiritual warfare is adversity. Now it's not, listen, some of you think that why am I going through these things, Lord? Is there something wrong with my faith? Does God not love me? Is God disappointed with me? Why, why, why me? Listen, as we said last week, it's not about you. It's not about you and the problem with the gospel message in America today. It's all about me and how God can take care of me and how can, God can bless me. Now listen, God does bless us. How many can say amen to that? He does bless us. He takes care of us. But listen, God's purpose for you is to allow his glory to be shown through you. So even in adversity and difficult times, God can still show his glory through you to show his strength and his power. And that even in adversity, you can find the joy of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? That's the gospel message, that Christ came to save us from our sins, to take on the sins himself, to die a death that each and every one of us should have died. 
And the gospel message says, listen, you need to die to yourself and carry the cross of Jesus Christ. So it's not about me. It's about Christ being glorified in me. So I want you to listen to the words of Paul, not necessarily as there's this war and, oh my goodness, am I going to have to go through these battles in my life? And, and, and why do I go through these struggles? In fact, I want you to look at it as an opportunity to grow in the Lord and to find his joy and his strength, even in adversity. Listen to what Paul says. He says, finally, be what? Strong in the Lord and in the strength of what? His might. It's not your strength. It's not your might. But he says, listen, I want you to be strong in the Lord. I want you to be strong in his might. He will make you courageous. He will give you the strength to allow you to get through whatever adversity you're going through. So he says, this is how you do it. You've got to put on the full armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of who? Of the devil. There's our adversary. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. What in the world does all that mean? That is just, it's blowing my mind, Pastor. We're going to break this down and explain what is Paul talking about here. And so what Paul says here, he's saying we live in a spiritual world, a world in which we do not see, but it's just as real as the world that you do see before you. There are things in our world that we do not see with the naked eye, yet they're all around us. How, much, how many of us understand that? There are things all around us, right? that we necessarily don't see with the naked eye. Now, 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 many of you, and some of you are a little bit like me, that you're a little bit germophobic. How many of you are a little bit, just a tad germophobic? Okay, good. I'm not the only one here. Okay. Some of you don't like touching door. I, I, I'm just telling you. I, I explained this a couple weeks ago. When I go into hospital and I got to touch doorknobs, I'm pulling my sleeve down and I'm not touching the thing. And, you know, there's like hand sanitizer stations every two feet. I'm walking down the hallway of the hospital. Where's the next hand sanitizer station? I'm just, you know, I walk out of the hospital and I'm bathing in the hand sanitizer. You see, it, 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 we don't see these germs unless you look with a microscope, right? But they're all around us. We know there's these, these airborne things that float all around us and we're in the middle of, the, of the, the flu season and colds and many of you going through it or have been through it. Man, there must have been 8,000 of you last week that were sick out of church because of what's, what's going on. I, I know some of you have even stayed in hotels and not even realized that there was someone, something else sleeping with you right? Let me just show you a picture of what I'm talking about, okay? That is a bed bug, okay? So when you say, don't let the bed bugs bite, that's true. That's the problem they had in New York City. In fact, we had a huge problem with bed bugs even in our pews. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just totally teasing you. We're, we are bed bug free here in Living Word. I remember uh, a couple years back, we went to Florida Disney World. And if ever you've been to Disney World, you've taken your kids there, you've gone there, there's this really neat show called The Bug's Life from the movie The Bug Life. And it's just, you're in a theater and you're sitting on these seats. And at the end of the, uh, hopefully none of you are going to Disney World because this is a spoiler alert. So just plug your ears because this is a spoiler alert if you go to see the, the, the bed bugs 
whatever you call the thing. And you're sitting there and they said, okay, all the bugs are now leaving the theater and they had these little bumps that hit the bottom of your seat. Like the bugs are crawling on. And the first time I did it, I, I screamed like a little girl. I, I did. And, and the funny thing is Lily was probably five or six and she was sitting on my lap so she didn't get to do it. So we saw it again so she could could do it and it scared me but not her but anyways uh the, there are things people go and they don't even know unless you look really closely that there are bugs in the bed now i don't know about some of you that just creeps me out doesn't it that that just if if i know that there's a mouse in my house it creeps me out i i just the critters in me just don't work work hand in hand together it just creeps me out. So, so listen, we, we wash our hands to keep germs from fr- spreading, to keep from getting sick. Even though we don't see these germs with the naked eye, we do things to prevent ourselves, to protect ourselves. And this is what Paul is telling us. He's saying, listen, we live in this spiritual world. Even though we may not see it with the naked eye, we need to be aware and to protect ourselves. So this really, what Paul is saying, this is our opportunity to grow. You can take the bug down because it's just freaking me out, okay? Thanks. Uh, What he's saying is this is our opportunity to grow. I like what C.S. Lewis says here. He has a great thought concerning our study about the hidden world because it can get really weird and and, and there can be really bad studies about the spiritual world, really unbiblical ones and extra-biblical studies. And I like what C.S. Lewis says here. He says, There are two and equal opposite errors into which our race can fall into about devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and to feel an excess and unhealthy interest in them. So where we need to find balance here is is not to look under every rock to see if, if there is a demon, and, and, and not to walk in fear and, and, to, and to be scared the rest of our life. Like, is this Satan? What's going on? And do I need to be afraid? We have to be very careful here. I, I, I want to dig into to what the Apostle Paul is saying in, in chapter 6 here and, and, and really give you a, a firm biblical foundation on, on how we are to battle in this spiritual world. Uh, and what I want to do is, I, over the next couple of weeks, we're just going to unveil really what's going on in our world. We're going we're to expose the truth. For you guys that, that are Wizard of Oz uh, fanatics, you remember when they went in, they saw the wizard, and, and he had that big, green, huge head. And really what was behind the huge green head was a guy behind the curtain moving all the, spoiler alert again, if you guys haven't seen Wizard of Oz, get a life if you haven't. Okay, so behind the curtain was, was the wizard, right? And he was moving all the levers, but, and, they, and, and he was saying, don't look behind the curtain. Don't look at that man behind the curtain. We're going to expose what's kind of behind the curtain, and realize the tools that the enemy uses to try to thwart the work of God. But if, if we are wise, we can use those opportunities to actually grow in the Lord. And so I want you to realize it's all about discipleship. It's all about growing closer to Christ and allowing his power and his glory to be shown forth in your life, even in the midst of a spiritual war that we are in. So I want to give you just two biblical truths right off the bat here. Biblical truth number one is there is a spiritual world. 
The Bible is very specific when it comes to the subject of the spiritual world. Angels, demons, Satan, they're not fairy tales. We're going to look at all the different scriptures, many scriptures that deal with that. So we need to be careful to separate what we see coming out of Hollywood and not our lives to be, or our spiritual lives to be defined uh, by what we see in Hollywood. We need to have a biblical understanding of truth and not necessarily fantasy. And we understand that spirituality is a very popular topic in our world today. Many books are being written about the spiritual world and about the spiritual person. Just a couple of years ago, Eckhart Tolle wrote a book, The New Earth, and Oprah uh, paraded him around, and the book was on the bestsellers list. Let me tell you what Eckhart Tolle, let me give you a quote by him speaking about the spiritual world. He says this, being spiritual, being spiritual has nothing to do with what you believe. And everything to do with your state of consciousness. Bestseller, being paraded by Oprah. You have popular shows now about spirituality and contacting the dead, like the Long Island Medium, which is very popular. Many people are watching. People are interested in these things. So as believers, we have to say, okay, how do we separate what's being paraded on TV and what's being sold as bestseller on New York Times bestsellers list, how can I defend it? Listen, people, this is our opportunity as believers to realize that that is a spiritual battle going on and we just can't simply marginalize it and say, oh, that's just silly. Listen, people are following that. And the reason why is because they're looking for answers. They know there's some, many people know there's something more, so they attach themselves to these new age teachings, believing that that's going to give them help. Or they attach themselves to these mediums, thinking that they can contact the dead through these mediums, which the Bible strictly forbids us. And we wonder why the attacks that we're faced with today, and the reason why we're giving in to the philosophies of the world, is because we're not growing in Christ. We don't really know what we believe, so we can easily fall for a lie. People, that's spiritual warfare. That's how the enemy works. It's not a red guy with a pitchfork, you know, in in scary movies. He's much smarter than that. He's not as obvious as that. He wants to work through the philosophies of the world to twist, just take just a, a grain of truth, and try to implant it in the minds of people to begin to follow a lie that leads us astray and away from the person of Jesus Christ. So the biblical truth, number one, is that there is a spiritual world. The second biblical truth I want you to know is that we are not alienated from the spiritual world. You can't just say, well, I just don't believe in it, and I'm going to separate myself from it. So there you go. You can't. We, we are immersed in it. And so either we have to deal with it and understand it and how to live within it so we can grow as disciples. So whether we, whether we believe in a spiritual world or not, we are involved in it. And over and over again, we see in the Bible that we live and we fight against things that we don't necessarily see. Paul goes on and on and on through his writings to, to equip the church and to warn the church of this very thing. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, listen to what Paul says here. He says, the God of this age who we understand is the devil, is Satan, has blinded the minds of who? Unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light 
of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, the exact representation, who is God. So when you hear these philosophies that, that, that try to mix Jesus with every other type of, of religious belief, the very thing they do is they take away from the deity of Jesus Christ. They, they, they may even say that he's a, a great teacher, that, uh, that he was a great man, that he even did some healings. But to say that he was God, that's where they stop. To say that Jesus is the only way to God, that's where they will stop. And that's exactly what Paul said some 2,000 years ago that the minds of unbelievers are blinded to the glory of Christ, who is the exact representation of God, that they don't see the gospel fully. They are blinded to that very truth. So the God of this world, who is Satan, is, is in a battle. And the battle, people, is here. The battle is between your ears. The battle is within the mind, causing us to believe a lie. And here's the lie. The lie is to trust yourself, what you see, trust your own ability. There's nothing wrong with you. We can fix our sin problem on our own. We don't need a savior. You can find the truth within yourself. There's a spark of the divine within yourself. And if you look deep enough within yourself that you can not only find God, but that you in fact are God. That's what the new age movement teaches when you follow it. But if you understand the word of God, we have all fallen short of what God's glory that we are all sinners in need of a savior. So if I start with myself, I'm starting with the wrong premise. I'm starting as a sinner. And if I'm looking at myself to fix all my problems, we are in a heap of trouble. The complete opposite of the gospel message. The gospel message says you must start with God. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, he says, for, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Listen to what he says here. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On, on the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what is he saying here? What Paul is saying here is when we have the knowledge of Christ in our mind and we understand the gospel message, when there is a, another teaching that comes against the knowledge of Christ or the teaching of the word of God, we come against that by what we know. We stand firm in the word of God to say, this is a lie. We expose it with the truth of God's word. So what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to expose the lie through the truth of God's word. How do you expose counterfeit money? By knowing what the real dollar bill or the real $20 bill looks like, right? You study, you know, so that when a counterfeit comes, you know right away that is counterfeit money because you know what the real thing is. And so my question to you is, do you know what the real thing is? Are, are, are you secure in your knowledge of the gospel message? And that's where we want to go as a body of believers. So the physical weapons cannot win this battle. The stronghold is in our thinking. Anything that exalts itself over Christ, any wrong thinking, any human plan that makes itself greater than Christ is a spiritual battle and we have to guard our hearts in this way. It's as simple as this, people. Listen. The spiritual battle can be as 
elementary is this. When I begin to glorify myself instead of Christ, that's a spiritual battle. When I begin to look at the battles in my life, and when I begin to complain, and when I begin to say, God, why can't I have it my way? Guess what? That's a spiritual battle. Because the thinking has to be, God, I am your servant. I laid my life down at the foot of the cross. I was purchased with a price. So it is my joy to serve you and be your servant and not necessarily have it my way. That's how you fight the spiritual battle. You get on your knees and you humble yourself before the Lord and you say, God, okay, I'm going through this trial. I don't understand it, but God, I know that you are sovereign. I know that you are in control. So I'm going to submit. Listen, it's not binding and loosen the devil. Let's get over that, okay? Is it that simple? You think, oh, okay, the devil says, okay, you, you bound me. Okay, hands off. Because you said a couple freaky words that just scared me. Are you kidding me? Really? Is that where we're at today? Just a couple key catchphrases that it's going to send? How you resist the devil, James says, is by turning to Christ. Are you hearing me? So when I humble myself before the Lord, even in my weakness, even in my trial, when I humble myself before the Lord and I come before Christ and I say, I just want more of you. I realize things aren't going my way. I realize Syracuse lost in overtime yesterday. And I, God, I just lay that at your feet because it really doesn't matter, right? Listen, it's bowing before the Lord and you're saying, God, not my way, but your way. That's how you win the battle. That's how you resist the devil. You resist him by turning to your own needs and you turn to God and ask for his strength. It's not how many times you rebuke and loose and bind and do all this other stuff that maybe some crazy teachings that some of you were taught. It's about turning to Christ. That's how you resist the devil. Can I get an amen? That's how you resist him. So when you feel the the overwhelming, and there are times, listen, there are times that you're gonna feel that oppression in your life. There are times that you're gonna feel that darkness that settles in in your heart, in your life. And, 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 and there's times, I'm being honest with you, there are times that you're going to feel a sense of hopelessness. Those are the times that you press into the Lord and you say, God, I, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what the darkness is here. I don't know what, but I know the enemy is a schemer and I'm not going to give in to his schemes and his plans because I know you have something greater for me. That even in the midst of this trial, you've got something great for me because you are in control of my life. So I'm going to bow my heart to you and I'm going to work through this. And I'm not going to allow the things that infiltrate my mind to take me away from who you are because I know you're a good God. I know nothing can separate me from your love. I know you are greater than all things. I know even Satan is under the auspices of your, of, of, of your authority. So I'm not going to worry. This is not this yin-yang thing where there's the, the devil on one thing and, and God on the other and they have equal forces. No, the devil is a created being. We're going to talk about that in a minute. God is sovereign. He's over everything. So God, I'm going to trust you because I know you're greater. And I know that you're more powerful. 
And so what you're doing is you're attacking that very thing that's entering your mind. The minute you begin to feast on that thing in your mind and you begin to look at your life and say, woe is me and nothing ever turns out right for me and God must not love me. Man, Satan is just reeling you in, isn't he? Oh, he loves that. Because he knows once discouragement and hopelessness sets in, guess what we begin to do? We begin to turn away from the Lord. And we begin to rely on other things to try to fix the very thing that only God can. That's spiritual warfare 101. We are all there. We live in this every single day. So physical weapons cannot battle this. We've got to be gospel-centered. And Jesus understands this battle very well. Listen to what he says to Peter in Luke 22, 31 through 32. Jesus understands this battle. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your what? Faith may not fail. He didn't say, I prayed that you would just bind and loose the devil. He said, no, I prayed that your faith would be strong in me. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I want you to get the the message here of, of the severity of what's happening here. In order for wheat to be sifted, it has to be violently shaken in order to fall. And that is what Satan wanted to do to Peter and his disciples. But, but notice what Jesus said. He says, I've prayed for you, and it's through prayer that we can correctly fight the schemes of the enemy. And so the example is Christ. He prayed on all occasions seeking the Father and submitting to his will. So he said, listen, Simon, I've prayed for you that your faith in me would be strong, that you would not waver, that you would encourage your other brothers to remain strong in me. And I want you to realize that the enemy has a, has a plan and his plan is to blind the world to the truth of God's word. His desire is for us to become dull, and desensitized to what is truth. And so what I want to do is I just want to answer a couple questions about our foe, about the enemy, and, and who the enemy is. And, 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 and Paul says, we're fighting against the enemy and against his scheme. So let me just break this down for you so we understand. First of all, who is the devil? Let's get a biblical understanding of who the devil is. The Bible tells us that Satan is actually a fallen angel, he was consumed in his own pride and literally wanting to be like God. We get a good glimpse of this. Jesus even says, I saw him falling from, from heaven. Ezekiel 28 gives us a great prophecy of this, uh, understanding, insight to who he was. He says, you were an anointed garden cherub, an angel. I placed you as you were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. And listen to what happened. He says, your heart was pride because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. So I casted you to the ground. I exposed you before the, king, before the kings to feast their eyes upon you. Matthew 25, talks. Jesus talks about Satan falling this very, uh, from heaven, this very verse that we find in Ezekiel. We understand that he is, uh, he is a tempter. And we understand through the temptations of Christ in the wilderness, it says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
So he understands the word of God. He tempts with the word of God. He twists the word of God, but he understands the word of God. So he, he tempts by twisting and maligning and making something evil look good. So we understand that, that he is a tempter. We understand that he is the prince of the demons, those that fell with him from heaven. It says, but when the Pharisees heard in Matthew 12, 24, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the, the prince of demons, that this man casts out what? Demons. They were basically calling Jesus a follower <laughs> of Satan himself. He perverts the word of God. The, the word of God says he is a, a slanderer. He's a liar. It says that, that even in his temptation, Luke 4.13, it says when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. There was not this one-time tempting. How do you know that when you're tempted once, oh, phew, I made it through that time of temptation and testing, and now everything's fine. How do you know? It's, it's not something that just ends. It's a continual thing. So that's why we have to be on our guard. Jesus says that he is a liar, the father of all lies. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That in fact, he is the prince of this world. And so these are just a few Bible verses that describe the character of the enemy. And so we need to ask ourselves, well, how does he work? Well, what the apostle Paul said is that he works through schemes. What, what does that really mean? Let me just say this, that the, the devil can't make you sin. He can't, he can't make you sin. He might be able to lay a temptation before you, make things enticing, but it's through our own flesh, our own desires that we make these choices. He can make it as attractive as possible. It's not like if those of you that are real old like me, Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. Okay, that's, that's not true. That's just bad theology, okay? Devil can't make you do anything, but he can tempt. And he works through schemes, Paul says. Well, what's, what does that word mean? Let's break this word down because it's literally from the Greek word methodia. And it's where we get the English word method or strategies. It, it is, it's actually following or pursuing an orderly technical procedure. For all you mathematic geekazoids out there, it's actually a mathematical procedure. It's perfectly calculated. And so what are these strategies? We're going to unpack the enemy's strategies next week. And, and I, I'm real excited about the message next week because what I'm going to lay out for you next week is what has happened to our world over the last 150 years and how your grandparents were duped with one of the biggest false philosophies that the world has ever seen. And this philosophy has permeated all our thinking to what your children are taught in school, public schools today, to what we see in our universities today. And so we're going to, you got to come next week to hear it, but we're going to unpack all these schemes and all these teachings that have hoodwinked our world today. And we're going to expose them for what they are and give you tools on how to come against them when those philosophies 
uh, come forth in your life? And how can we, how can we stand and, and use apologetics and have a defense for what we believe so we can stand strong against those things and we can expose them for what they really are? You, listen, some of you are like me. You, maybe you weren't raised in a Christian home. Maybe you weren't raised with a Christian worldview. The way we defeat these schemes is by having a Christian worldview. And understanding why this world is the way it is. If, if we can't answer, listen, this is what's dangerous. As Christians, if we can't answer the origins of life, if we can't answer the question, why are we in the mess we are today? And if we can't answer the question, how do we fix it? We are in deep danger. And for most Christians, they can't answer those three questions because those are the three biggest questions facing our world today. And through the philosophies of, these world, of this world, they're trying to explain those answers to your children and to people that go to college and people that you may talk to in your workplace. They're trying to explain it in a way that is completely unbiblical. And so for my heartbeat for you as your pastors, I want you to have a Christian world view. I am so glad my oldest son, who's a sophomore right now, is just immersing himself with, with reading different things and understanding what his Christian worldview is. It gets me excited because we talk about those things, and I'm like, ooh, this is cool. He's digging deeper into deeper theology books. I love that because I want him, I want my son Wesley, I want Lily to be prepared when they go in the world to say, wait a minute, this isn't right. When they're sitting in one of their classes and there's a counterpoint to what their Christian worldview is, their ears perk up and say, wait a minute, this isn't right. And I can remember when I first became a, became a Christian and I was confronted as, as a believer with a, with a secular worldview that came against my Christian worldview when my English teacher played the song by, by, by John Lennon, the song Imagine. Imagine there's no religion. Imagine there's no God. Imagine all this stuff. And my ears just perked up. And she goes, isn't this just a wonderful song? And I perked up and I said, this is what I think of that song. No, I'm just teasing. I said, this is, I don't, I don't agree with it. It was almost like a bomb, ba-boom, went off. In the, what are you saying? That's like the greatest song that has ever been written. I said, I don't agree with it. And I began to explain, very in simplistic terms as being a new Christian, but I explained why I didn't agree with it. I wonder why I got a, a, a C in the class. No, I, I, I did And she just couldn't believe that someone would come against that world view because it wasn't biblical. It came against everything that we believe as Christians. And so my heartbeat for you as your pastor is that you would have a Christian worldview that you could come against the philosophies that so easily bombard our lives. So the devil, he works through these methodias. He works through these methods, these strategies. And so all these different philosophical ideas that we and our children are being exposed to and taught, we need to understand what they are and to stand against it. That's really the spiritual war that we're in today. And Satan has a plan. He knows our weaknesses. He plots and he contrives a way to deceive us. And so he meticulously orchestrates events to tempt us, deceive us, trying to allow us to believe these half-truths. I love what, let me quote C.S. Lewis again, because I, I love what he says here. He says, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without milestones, without signposts. 
And so what I'm going to show you next week is methodically over the last 150 years how we completely turned this way, way away from any biblical foundation. Do you realize that all our Ivy League colleges that were started in the 1700s, 1800s, many of them were mission-sending agencies? That they were Christian in their heritage? That if you were to read their handbook and their philosophy, you'd be like, what? I'm te- Listen, it's the philosophy of this world, the schemes of the enemy to methodically and slowly move us away. And, and it's a slow moving, just like C.S. Lewis said. It's not this dramatic thing that just hits you. It's a, I mean, just think about it. We've talked about this before. Just on TV, as you go from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 10s, the 2010, you realize as you just even watched TV how it was slow. You, you never even showed the bedroom. Ooh, we don't do that. Oh, we don't even show. And then if you did, you showed, you know, Ricky and Lucy. I don't, I can't stand that show, but I know some of you love, Lu- I love Lucy. It drives me nuts. She gives me a headache. I can't watch it. It just, I'd rather look at pictures of bed bugs than watch. Okay, so, but, but if you did, I'm sorry, because some of you are going to, I know I'm going to get hate mail, but I just can't stand this. But anyway, you get, okay, if you're going to show it, you're going to have two beds if you're going to do that, right? And then eventually it gets worse and worse. It's this slow moving away, isn't it? And that's exactly how the enemy moves. He wants to move in your life through your thinking, get you away from the Lord through his strength, get you in a sense of hopelessness. Nothing's ever going to work out for me. Get you away from reading your word. Get you away from daily Bible reading, daily prayer. Blah, blah. It's slow, right? Slow, methodical, calculated. People, that's what spiritual warfare is. That's why we've got to be on heightened alert. First Peter 5, 8 says, listen, Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to whom he may devour. So he's telling us, listen, you need to be sober-minded. You need to be clear-thinking. The devil's desire is to completely blind us. Now, notice, I I want you to see that throughout scriptures, we are to resist the devil, flee, stand firm in Christ. But I want you to notice that he will continue to harass. We need to continually be on our guard. And Satan wants nothing more than for you to give into your flesh, to walk in angerness, to walk in bitterness, not willing to forgive. Do you realize that unforgiveness is spiritual warfare. We say this all the time. Bitterness is the poison we drink waiting for the other person to die. That's spiritual warfare. Because your spirit is saying, I don't want to forgive. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. But when I'm willing to forgive, when someone's not even forgivable, we submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ and break that, listen, and break that stronghold that's in our mind. And some of you, you've got this stronghold in your mind from wrong thinking from your past. Some of you, you're sitting here today and say, all the bad things that have been done to me or I've done to others is a stronghold in my mind because I believe that I, when you, pastor, when you say that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, that has not clicked in my mind. That's spiritual warfare. That's a stronghold in your mind believing that God cannot completely redeem you. That God cannot break the chains of your past and wrong behavior or atrocities that were either done to you or you have done to others. Christ came to redeem us, 
to break the chains of our sin, to completely make us new. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things become new. You are not a product of your past. For those of you that had habitual sins, an alcoholic or whatever, you're not an alcoholic anymore. You are in Christ Jesus. You are a follower of Christ now. You are in him. You're not, you're not defined by your drug problem or any addiction, addiction that you might have had. You are now in Christ, a new creation. This is a wrong thinking, is a stronghold thinking that I can never, ever, ever be anyone different because that sin defines my future. No, it doesn't. Not if you are in Christ Jesus. Your identity now. If you look through the word of God in the New Testament over and over and over again, we see in the New Testament that in Christ, in Christ, you are in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. He completely changes everything. So this is a, it's just a constant battle of obedience. And that's what spiritual warfare is all about. And I can only fight this through prayer and obedience to the Lord through his word. And so we have nothing to fear when we are in Christ. And I want you to know this as we just wrap things up. Listen, the work of the enemy has been destroyed at the foot of the cross. And so I want you to think of the, the enemy this way. You know, he's talked as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but he's a toothless lion. He's, he's, he's like my little fluffy 15-pound dog, Mopsy, okay? She's all bark. She couldn't hurt a flea, right? All bark. She, she thinks she's tough. She thinks she's a, a Rottweiler, okay? Barking at the window. I'm like, are you serious? She's out the window and people walk by with their dog and they're laughing at her because it's this white fluff ball. No one's intimidated by her. Listen, we don't have to be intimidated by the enemy. He is a toothless lion. When you are in Christ Jesus, he has given you everything you need to resist the schemes of the enemy. And God wants to so fill your mind with his word as you submit yourself to his word, as you immerse yourself in his word, as you immerse yourself in prayer, this will give you the power to resist the enemy's scheme. And not only to resist it, but to expose it. To say, you ain't going to get me on this one. I know what you're doing here. I know why I'm thinking these things. I know you're trying, because this was the pattern of my old life. And I know you're trying to use those things to allow me to go back into the patterns of my old life. But that old life doesn't dominate me anymore. Jesus Christ does. And he's put his spirit within me. And he's given me the power to overcome any temptation that may come my way, that I have an escape through Christ Jesus now. Before I would have given into it, but not now because I'm in Christ. I'm in a creation. And the wonderful thing is even when we mess up, Christ is there to forgive us, to cleanse us. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all our sins. That's the power that we have in the Lord Jesus. So in, in our study of this hidden world, we're going we're gonna to look at how we can become more proactive in our spiritual lives so that we can be prepared to fight the correct way. And I'm just going to give you the simple answer. The best way to fight is by becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. The more you immerse yourself in Christ, 
The more you train yourself, you train yourself to be godly. The more we do that, the more we resist the devil, the more knowledge the Lord will give us to expose the hidden dark secrets of the enemy. So my prayer for you this morning as we just close in prayer and we close in, in song this morning. There's some of you here today, you, you, and I, I want to pinpoint this one thing, okay? There's some of you here today and you're walking in fear. There's something in your life that has so gripped your heart in fear that it's dominating you. And, and I want to pray for that because that's not of the Lord. That's, that's a spiritual warfare in your heart to grip your heart to keep you from depending on the Lord. I, I don't care what, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hit all these different phobias in a couple weeks, but, but I really want to pray for some of you here today that are just battling with just the mind thing. You're saying, Pastor, it's just, I, I know what you're saying because all of a sudden, I'll, everything will be fine. Anybody like me? Everything will be fine. And all of a sudden, this thought comes in your mind and it just grabs you. And sometimes it can grab you to the point to where you're almost panicking about it. You're like, where did that, what in the world? I'm telling you, spiritual warfare. And some of you, there's this dominating fear in your heart that's reoccurring. You'll forget about it for a couple of and then it'll come back. And you know it's there, but you really haven't. That's spiritual warfare. And, And I want to encourage you today that the more you immerse yourself in Christ, there's nothing we have to fear. And I love what Paul says, that, that when we know Christ and Christ is, is in our hearts and he's being glorified in our lives, even death has lost its sting. There's, there's no more fear of dying. Not that I'm going to jump off a tall building, right? Not that I'm going to act recklessly. But there's no more fear of dying. I've just done a complex of funerals over the last couple of months and the one thing that I try to bring forth to the people that are coming, because most people probably come to those funerals, probably 95% of them aren't Christians or following Christ. And the one thing that I love about doing those funerals is that the Word of God has the answer for the fear of death, that Christ conquered death through his resurrection. And the Bible says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you there is no more fear. So that fear would distinguish all those fearful things that can so easily enter our minds. I want to pray for you today that the peace of Christ will rule your hearts and your minds. And this is probably one of my favorite passages because I'm a worrier. Be anxious for nothing. Worry about nothing, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard what? Your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Some of you here today just need to chill out in Jesus. You need to rest in him today. You're walking in fear and anxiety and worry. And Christ says, come to me and I will give you rest. Immerse yourself in my peace and my goodness. It's av- I got it for you. It's available every single day. But no, I'd rather worry, right? Because I take the stupid route, right? By me worrying about it, it's going to make it better, Right? How many of you, by worrying and fretting over, has ever made your situations any better? 
survey says. Okay, it doesn't. Let's come to Christ. Let's immerse ourselves in him today. Amen. Let me pray for you, Lord. We come before you today. And Lord, I know that this battle we fight every single day can it can just uh, it can come in different forms, can manifest itself in different ways. But specifically, we pray today, God, for anyone that's walking in, in fear and, and trepidation and, and is just walking with anxiety in their hearts today. And I pray, Lord, that you would just immerse us in your peace today. God, that we would be anxious no more but that the peace of God would rule and reign. And this is all part of spiritual warfare. These are all part of the schemes that the enemy wants to do to thwart Christ and his work in our heart. And so, Lord, we just come to Christ today and we say, Lord, I lay myself anew and afresh at, at your feet today and I need your strength today. How many you by the, just, you're with me. You say, Pastor, just by the raised hand, Pastor, that, that's me today. I, I just need Christ's peace to rule and reign in my circumstance today. Amen. Lord, you know our hearts, you know our lives, you know you know our circumstances, and we ask that you would rule and reign. I pray for these coming series of messages that, God, we would be, we would be more equipped, God, to battle this world, to be truly called your disciples, God, that we would train ourselves, God, that we would be proactive in knowing what, not, not to be not for the knowledge to, to puff our brains up, Lord, but to humble us to rely more on you and not allow the false teachings of this world and the schemes of the enemy to sidetrack us anymore, that we would be more firm in our knowledge of you, that we could be worthy to be called your disciples and your servants. So I just pray for your peace over every situation in this place today. We thank you for who you are, Jesus. We thank you that you are Lord of all. Lord, over every circumstance, every situation, we can trust you. So we lay our lives at your feet. In Jesus' wonderful name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. And, and I love the song. We're just going to proclaim this. Make it your, your prayer as you sing this unto the Lord. Amen.
I want, as you leave, I want to just give you this picture. Remember, the children of Israel being brought out of Egypt, the Red Sea before them, Pharaoh's army behind them. There was no way out. God opened up the Red Sea. And I want you to remember that your circumstance and your situations may seem so overwhelming, and we've all said this. How are you going to work through this situation? If God is the same God today, yesterday, and forever. I want you to be reminded, was God faithful to you last week? Was God faithful to you last month and last year? He's the same God. Different circumstances, same God, a different opportunity to trust Him, to allow yourself to grow in Him, to deeper your discipleship in Him, and that's our objective, to allow God in every circumstance to allow His glory to be shown in our lives that we can say, God, you are good. So Lord, you're good. And may we go in your presence today and whatever we're facing today, may we completely trust in you. And I know, God, that you are faithful. And your faithfulness and your mercies, they endure, they endure, they endure forever. And so we're gonna trust you today. And I thank you for our time together for the time in your word, God, and we just give you the glory. May we go in your grace and your power now and we just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen, amen. Listen, if any of you need prayer, our prayer partners will be up front to pray with whatever you're going through today. Otherwise, go in God's grace. God bless you. So